0: Hi, everyone. This is Working Title, the podcast where we, for intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English-language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and...
1: Court will hear from June on Basie Undertones. Oh my god, it's so Basie.
2: All right.
3: Take it away. I think this is where Jack is like, all right, hey, everybody, welcome, welcome
1: back. and everything. Oh, we're going to watch movies. Yay. Okay, we watch this movie.
0: All right, so with uh, the podcast introduced.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I get to introduce it? Oh, I wasn't ready.
0: No, no you're getting all cut. Right. Don't worry. Hi, everyone. <laughs> welcome back to Working Title. Uh, we're on episode 32 of our uh, multi-year podcast working through the 250 best english language movies as rated by the people of imdb in late 2019 um and what are we watching today we're watching anatomy of a murder a 1959 uh, legal drama courtroom drama um about a lawyer in upstate michigan who needs to get his client uh get his client off for murder um, so we'll get into that in a minute, but before we start talking about the, uh, the movie itself, um, let's introduce the reviewers here in the studio and, uh, keeping with the spirit of anatomy of a murder, we will, uh, share which film lawyer we would, uh, hire to represent us were we in court and, uh, I'll go first. My name's Jack and were I in court, I would probably choose Jim Carrey from Liar Liar to represent me?
3: Nice. <laughs>
0: nice. <laughs> no re- no reason other than it's Jim Carrey. Um, Mike? <laughs> wait,
2: wait, I, would you have him when he can't lie or like after? Oh yeah. Pre or oh.
0: post lying.
2: Because mm. I think that's a bad choice. Yeah, that sounds have, terrible.
0: I would time it so that he would switch over in the middle of the trial.
2: Uh, during the uh, the apex of the movie. After his realization,
0: um, I mean, realistically, this is like a speeding ticket for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> we
2: don't need much lawyer ability on this one. <laughs> All right, I think I'm next. Is that what you said? Yes. I would choose um, Commodus from The Gladiator, uh, played by uh, Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs>
0: Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Your idea of a trial is a trial by combat.
2: <laughs> no, no. He, he would just give a thumbs up or a thumbs down, depending I I wasn't on that.
1: <laughs> that's Wait, a... we're casting the lawyer not the judge
0: <laughs> present <laughs> your case hey, it's down. <laughs> same
3: person that is funny
0: that's good That's yeah. a, I would Clover. never have thought of that one
1: my client is a father to a murdered son <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, the plaintiff states that he will have his revenge in this life or the next <laughs> those are the ends of my opening
3: statement
1: <laughs> who's next oh (laughs) shit oh my
3: god
0: strike that bit about the servant to a murdered emperor (laughs) the jury will disregard that (laughs)
1: oh i guess it's me yes all right um my name is shane and i would choose my cousin vincent gambini to represent me in the court i was torn between three very solid choices but I think his had the best outcome of the three. So was was one of your choices, um, Tom Cruise? Uh, it was not Tom Cruise. I will share my Damn choices it. later.
0: Yeah, let's let June have a chance.
1: Yeah. Okay, I'm June. Uh,
3: my movie lawyer would be Erin Brockovich.
1: Yep, that was one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> She's
1: sassy. <laughs> 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 so tell me, as an attorney, what would you rate your sass level? <laughs> Uh, it, I was torn between um, her and uh, Andrew Beckett, aka Denzel Washington from Philadelphia. From
3: Philadelphia?
1: You have, you have AIDS? <laughs> I just want my lawyer to kind of hate me in the beginning, but learn to love me. Because of the AIDS. I'll, I'll...
0: <laughs> Is this the I first also, time Mike gets cut? Um, <laughs> I was also yeah,
3: get... uh, torn between Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Rules of Engagement. Oh,
1: right. that would have been a good one. Because he was yeah. just so bad, he won. <laughs> where, I mean, where you feel like you should have represented yourself, trial.
0: <laughs> I I was definitely thinking Tom Cruise and A Few Good Men. Um,
1: yeah, that's obviously one of the first ones. Especially there's your... so many court movies. This I... this one in particular leans heavy into the court. I feel like is the whole
3: movie is in the court. Court
0: movie yeah this this is no. our first courtroom drama um oh i mean uh, didn't the, uh, the last one the the the
1: one where he's Rain plotting Man? murder no 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 no. <laughs> i'm already forgetting the name of the movie where he was plotting uh to kind kill hearts all and, the, coronets.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there and coronets yeah there's a big
1: court scene in that there was yeah it wasn't uh, a court movie
0: yeah it wasn't a legal drama i mean i think we'll see some later with uh 12 angry men i'm pretty sure to kill a mm. mockingbird is on on here oh for sure um
2: It was also a British court, and they all wore wigs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it wasn't a legal drama. It was a barrister drama. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit! All right. So, uh, what is Anatomy of a Murder? So, it's a um, courtroom drama film. We talked about that, of course. Uh, Otto Preminger, Preminger uh, directed it, and it was. Based off of a novel, um, but this is actually an adaptation of uh, a true event um, that happened in Michigan in 1952. So, kind of a weird story. The um, the novelization of this was written by the man who was the defense attorney. <laughs> so, in, in like the original real life case. Um, so yeah uh based on a true story um that changes
2: so much
3: yeah
0: wait so
2: like did, he, <laughs> did he like rewrite it so that he won in it like in the original case he actually <laughs> he lost, lost so he just was like if i would have won i wrote it this way
0: no i think um uh yeah i think uh so in the original case so do you want to talk about this now or do you want to come back to it later we'll save
1: it we'll, save it. we'll come but back yeah. to it
0: yeah. yeah um this is definitely worth talking about um but yeah, so uh, the the premise is is that um, a man is you know kills another man uh, undoubtedly, uh, and um, retains this sort of somewhat washed up lawyer to represent him and defend him and get him off. Um, yeah, from there I guess, Mike, do you want to walk us through what happens here?
2: It's pretty much the whole movie. You summed it up.
0: All, All right. All right.
3: So, would so- you recommend? so let's go let's go into trivia and uh... all
2: right so it so it takes place in michigan and uh, like upper uh what is it the upper peninsula area so Stewart, john stewart or james stewart he plays the uh the john attorney stewart. the washed up attorney john, john stewart plays the washed up attorney i can watch um, main cast with
1: john stewart um
2: <laughs> No, but he, he used to be the district attorney, and uh, he didn't win his re-election, so he spends, like, most of his days um, fishing. So it starts at the beginning with him coming back from a fishing trip to his um, empty office, and his partner, whose um, name is McCarthy, he's a he's this alcoholic, kind of, like, older colleague, and he, he just comes back from the bar, and he goes and meets with John—or, sorry, Paul— um, and they are kind of talking about a case that might happen, and he gets a phone call from this client. And this client was referred to him uh, by McCarthy, and she is the wife of the lieutenant that is uh, in jail for murdering uh, the caretaker of a bar um, owned by – his name is Barney Quill. And the wife's name is Laura Mannion, and her husband is the lieutenant whose name is um, – Larry? That dude's name, uh, Manny. They just call him Manny. So M- Manny Mannion, uh, Lieutenant Frederick Manny Mannion. Anyway, so there they want to meet with uh, Paul to, or uh, by, they want to meet with Beagler to go over kind of the case, and uh, he agrees to meet with the with Laura the next day. Um, he goes talks with her. the The story with them is that she had been raped by the uh, by Barney Quill. During the night that Lieutenant Frederick went and murdered him and in their meeting, he decides that he's going to go talk to the lieutenant, find out if he has a case or not, because it seems like a pretty open and shut case. Um, The way it went down was her story is that she was at the bar with with Quill and. Was playing pinball throughout the night, and then at the end of the night, she was—he was offered to give her a ride home because he told her that there were bears out, and she was afraid of that. Uh, Laura tends to be a little bit promiscuous; she's definitely a flirt, and uh, like she's you know well known as being like very beautiful woman. Um, so Quill and her uh, get in their truck, and Quill drives her to her um, residence, which is a trailer park, and they live in a uh, like a motorhome. Before she gets out. Quill takes her to another route because the gate was locked and he, um, assaults her in, like, kind of, like, a back, like, woods area. Uh, after that, she... Quill drives her back to... Or she kind of blacks out. Quill drives her back to the, uh, the front gate and is assaulted again but manages to get away this time and go... And she goes and she tells her husband what had happened. and He was home sleeping and he gets up, gets his gun, goes to the bar and, uh, shoots, um shoots Quill five times and kills him. Um, after that, he walks out and turns himself in to the police and he's arrested. And this is kind of where that's kind of their their, their story to Bigler. And Bigler kind of tells him like, hey, like this is there's only like a couple reasons why you can get away with murder. And none of these fall into this unless and he doesn't tell them specifically, but he kind of hints to set up a case of pleading insanity. Um, so that's the beginning portion of the movie, I think there's a, some good stuff to talk about. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I,
0: I think uh, for those listeners who haven't watched and may watch, uh, I should highlight that um, all of the the murder, the the rape that's not actually pictured that comes out through testimony. So that's that's correct. Yeah, just a story yeah.
2: she was telling to right. get the case with yeah. with It doesn't best. happen
0: on screen. It's not. It's not like a graphic movie or anything. Right. Uh, except for when they have a, a photo of the uh, Barney's corpse and they splatter catch up all over it or something for it. <laughs> Thank um, you for clarifying that for the jury, Jack.
1: Yep. Oh, we will be using um, many court proceedings in this podcast, so state your name for the record. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Contempt? Um, I- yeah, so, I mean... <laughs> We're to start with this oh. one. I have some thoughts, well, but does anyone else want to lead into it?
3: I will start with the uh, opening. Um, that opening credit, that had like Wes Anderson vibes, didn't it?
2: Oh, like with the body?
3: I mean, the... it was a,
0: a little less vibrant of a palette, but
2: <laughs> I had sure. Wes, Wes, Wes Anderson, and I got more out of it like the intros to like, the Pink Panther movies.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Pink Panther is a good uh, comparison. Uh, what I wanted to say about that, though, is... I felt like the person that animated the opening credits was just given the title of the movie. <laughs> and was like, run with it without knowing anything right? of what happens in it. Because it was so <laughs> irrelevant.
2: <laughs> well, it had that high-speed jazz music playing.
1: Which now didn't I, stop the rest of the film. Now I'm constant. wishing that Wes Anderson did do this. and like It's just him and he walks out in the morning all awkwardly to his mailbox and says, Dear lawyer, my husband killed a man. Can you help me? Signed. <laughs> Wife of a Man Killed.
0: Signed, Bennett Caltro.
1: Mike,
3: you brought up jazz a couple times before the, the mm, podcast, mm-hmm. er, before we started recording too. I'm like, you know what doesn't always work? Spontaneous jazz. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, like, <laughs> so, they were, should have gone like bird band and there's just a drummer in the courtroom just... Sporadic drums throughout the chorus It's just
2: like I feel like the soundtrack just comes out of nowhere throughout the whole movie. So was this supposed to be a film noir? Or were they like I think they like the director thought maybe film noirs kind of have that jazz kind of feel, and so they just put jazz in everything.
0: I mean, no, I don't I think film th- noir is the right. We all it. associate
2: black and white movies with noir. I, I didn't. I didn't say I think this is a film noir. I said, was this supposed to be a film? noir?
0: So I'm not. I mean should mention that the the soundtrack was scored by duke ellington who oh, is yeah so like one of the the big names in jazz of all time um I, wasn't he in the movie yeah yeah I thought he the had piano a, player
3: a looked, part um
1: pie 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 yeah pie pie, I. pie I. yeah i was then like it, he looks so familiar
2: that was the weird scene where as he's standing up the the, the he says to him like you're not gonna split are you and uh no he said something else like you're not gonna cut no he's not gonna you're not gonna split and like stewart was like huh like i don't understand and he's like (laughs) you're not gonna like cut out like you're not gonna leave
1: he's like oh no but he couldn't understand his jive
2: like what the hell
1: (laughs) jimmy doesn't know it but um i'm gonna reach deep to give like some credit to that i think the idea is like jazz is a lot like the courtroom where you have a plan it's like a general chord progression that you're going to go through, but you don't know what the others are going to bring, so you're always reacting and changing so that court is like jazz in a way. And that's all I'm going to give to that. So,
2: yeah,
0: no, that. No. yeah.
1: I mean,
2: you Holy just took shit. something that's horribly boring and you tried to make it seem fun.
0: Shane, you've evolved.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll say something terrible.
1: Don't worry. We'll, we'll get to well,
2: that. we can talk about something more important <laughs> than that. How about, um, so, when they're, whenever... Um, uh, not Quill, Barn, not Manning. The, uh, the the lieutenant. Whenever he's smoking, he always pulls out that little cigarette oh, holder that he uses with like a dragon's
1: mouth on it. Does he not look like uh, the Punisher now? Uh, what's his name? the The guy that plays the current Punisher. Um, Objection! Irrelevant. <laughs> he looks just like <laughs> not material to the case. <laughs> um,
0: so, I guess uh, w- one thing that. I mean to to a certain degree, this is the point of the movie, but all of these lawyers are t- terrible and unethical. And it starts here where <laughs> like, well This is a different so, title. Um, we'll, we'll separate the fact that they're they're both bad at their job and unethical at their job, and just start here where he says to um uh Manny or the lieutenant or whatever uh, that like, okay, so, you know, what's your excuse? And, uh, he's like, well, you know, I was angry. He's like, it's not good enough. He's like, you know, I was crazy. He's like, hmm, think about it. I'll
1: be back tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, that's
0: Isn't
1: kind that a of representation like representation of lawyers though. That's kind of the idea of a defense attorney though. It's like a lot of defense attorneys have to throw aside the fact that they know their client is guilty
0: yeah, Man. but typically you don't do that by asking them to like fabricate the truth.
2: Well, he technically never did, and that's kind of what
1: lawyers do do though.
0: As an amateur well, defense
1: attorney, I always ask, ask my clients to lie, especially when they're guilty.
0: <laughs> I mean, I I think it's pretty evident that um this yep. is not the case. Like he he has made this up. And so for whatever um defense attorneys do, typically it it has more to do with you know, ensuring that like the the laws were followed in the process of like, you know, in, in the, the criminal proceedings, making sure the evidence is well considered, introducing doubt rather than proposing like a whole totally other narrative. <laughs> and you know, on part of the reason why you don't tell your clients to lie is because with any kind of uh, functional cross examination, they'll totally fall apart and contradict themselves. And you know, the cross examination here was was pretty pretty poor (laughs) Uh, well (laughs) best
1: now that you say it and i i don't i mean the movie does kind of paint it out but i don't think they lean into it enough is the whole reason he takes the case i think is because of a personal kind of vendetta against the current da because he doesn't address it completely but he's a better attorney obviously at least in this than the current da and he lost his job to him so i don't think he wants to take it he just wants to win
3: you're right. You don't see that until later, though. Um, mm-hmm. I like I, in, in my mind, I knew that because of like I read the synopsis, you know? And it clearly states, like, he's lost his re-election for DA or whatever. But yeah, you don't see that until pretty far into the movie uh, when the DA lets slip, like, ah, you wouldn't do that when you were the DA. Right. Um, he's just
1: trying to prove that he's better in his own way.
2: Well, going off of what Jack was saying about how what a defense attorney is supposed to do I think yeah on paper that's what they're supposed to do but like it's I think it's kind of a, a, a norm at least it has been up until you know the last decade or so that lawyers are kind of like snakes right they're, they've always been kind of sleazy people they they do try to find loopholes and all only that like even like the workout montage in this movie is them just going through with law books trying to find loopholes to use the proper terms so that they can get this guy off for murder and they know he's the he's the murderer
0: Mike, I'd I'd, I'd watch your tongue. Our single individual regular listener is a lawyer.
2: Well, in that case, I apologize to the lawyer who's listening right
1: now. You get out of here. No lawyers allowed.
0: Um, In fact, the only two people I know who listen to this are lawyers. (laughs) We should have
1: had them on, actually. Um, To tell us if anything's full of shit. Wait, Um, are there
2: real lawyers listening? Yes. There's There's at least
1: two. Oh, yeah. fuck
2: you, you, you skeezy snakes. Maybe you should do your job better. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the podcast where we air our grievances with the, the law system and the people who partake
3: in it. Well, you better hope Mike never needs legal help.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's going to refuse legal help because they're snakes. <laughs> well, I'm He'll be represent like the guy himself.
2: I'm gonna be that guy in the movie there's that, that stole the case of whiskey. And <laughs> he's like, Do you wanna oh, recall? Yeah. I'm guilty as hell. <laughs> like, and I do it again? It was delicious. <laughs> was a lot of whiskey. <sighs> okay. Uh, but
0: anyway, I stand by my point that what this what this guy does is unethical and is essentially neglecting justice in order to win the case. I, I don't talking, think that point is controversial, at least.
3: Are you talking about the DA or Jimmy Stewart? Jimmy both. Stewart.
0: Though they both kind of have their turn in it. Oh, but we'll... they
3: both have their uh, moral conundrums. Yeah. No. So I saw I saw it as like a kind of a cascading effect, right? I think it, it. I think you're right in the sense that it's like kind of not explicitly stated, like you know, don't lie, wink, wink. Um, at least it starts out semi innocent, but by the time we get to the end of the case, they just keep piling on more, like questionable shit Mm -hmm. and there's like that kind of one-upmanship going on to where it just devolves
1: into shit yeah just murking the water to the point you can't see through it yeah
0: yeah a little bit um
1: i just have some uh just not really like plot notes but so i noticed his house must have stank pretty bad because i wrote one of my notes says something's fishy and it wasn't just her story it was i was like that house must smell like fish yeah, really I bad know, <laughs> i noted that down
3: too like you know what happens when you keep 80 pounds of fish not in a freezer but in the fridge <laughs> I was
0: thinking the same or thing. in your sink
3: there, there's literally like 600 yeah. fish in that refrigerator i don't know how many people have
1: gutted fish inside of a house but the stench that remains in the sink is <laughs> powerful and he had Literally about eight tons of trout stuffed into that fridge.
2: <laughs>
1: um, I, I really don't think
2: they cared. It was made apparent that they didn't care when he was finished his cigarette and just like ashed it into the door frame. Yeah, his, <laughs> true. his it. alcoholic true.
0: buddy. So that that brings me to another thing. Who is that guy? Like did he I miss it? Is he a lawyer?
1: S- apparently. He's like a disgraced lawyer, right? Because
0: I don't he know. kinda <sighs> Does nothing, but then he participates well. in the legal case, which is
2: well, he drives up to Canada at some point. So that was you're talking about Parnell,
0: yeah. Parnell, he's
2: the comedic
3: relief. I bitch. saw him as like kind of a quasi paralegal, yeah, kind of, at least
0: a like, para paralegal,
3: the, the guy that gets coffee. I don't know, <laughs> he he's not doing like he's doing the legwork, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's kind he, of. He 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 fits the bill of a paralegal, but just like a really alcoholic one. Be- <laughs> Beegler, Beegler tells him that he needs to give up drinking in order to like help him with this case, and uh, he takes it as he needs to take a car and drive
1: three to days Canada. overnight
2: up to Canada. <laughs>
1: Asleep and crashes into a bar.
2: That there's like a five minute scene where he's like, "You need to give up the booze in order to stay on this case," and it just has a close up of his face as he's just like thinking about the repercussions of giving up booze.
1: I'd rather him be on the booze and sleep than just be like, "I'm gonna drive to Canada in three days." You know, if I'm being honest,
0: I I think this entire character was kind of dead weight. I oh, I don't know super. what he really added to this movie. Yeah, like so we, do just we been- want to move
1: on because I got the next section for that. Well, well I, have, I have a couple I notes a I'd like to, to bring up too before we move on, and we can cut it and do whatever we want. But June, you go first because I only have two.
3: Uh, okay. So the uh, you mentioned smoking earlier. I, it's it's crazy watching this today, and seeing like the act of smoking is so nonchalant that mm-hmm. I, want, I I wonder if it was even in the stage direction. You know, the actor
1: just needed a hit. Yeah, or
3: well, it just seems so natural that it's like uh, it's hard for me to see in the script, like you know, pulls out cigarette, like lights it, you know, because it's constant throughout the movie. I just thought that was an interesting uh, juxtaposition to movies of today, where you definitely would see like it is a very specific directed thing when somebody is smoking, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, On yeah, good. On the other. And, like, there was some other weird shit that was, like, that had to have been stage direction, but I don't know why. Like, there's a, there's a scene when uh, Beegler and Parnell are, like, on a bridge, like, eating hard-boiled eggs. Oh,
1: yes! Oh, my oh. God. It's, you stole my notes. Like, they ordered hard-boiled eggs? <laughs> what? And
3: the, what? That scene was so focused on them on the act of them eating eggs,
0: and I don't know why. And he made, like, a whole point of having, like, I gotta go get lunch with this guy. Did they even talk about anything important? I don't think so.
3: (laughs) But for Mike's benefit, there was a salt shaker in that scene.
0: (laughs) If we reconstruct it, will that explain the trajectory of this case?
2: (laughs) It wouldn't hurt.
3: (laughs) Um, Okay, let me rattle off some other shit. So, uh, I am. I am very glad that the transatlantic accent died. Uh, I, I noticed in this movie in particular, there's a lot of times when it kind of affects the tonality of the scene. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to say it's like misogynistic, but like every female character is, you know, talk speaks so sultry and like, uh, you know, yeah. it, it's hard to tell when they're deliberately being flirtatious or if it's just like. You know, they're just being normal, but abnormal. This yeah, movie that's, is a um,
0: product of the times
1: for sure.
0: That kind of, yeah, captures something that didn't quite sit right with me too. And maybe that's a, a factor, but the, just the manner of speaking. Uh, so, I mean, when you, when you have like these sort of stereotypical transatlantic forties, thirties, fifties, like way of speaking, it, it, it's very level. I wouldn't say, uh, you know, like a monotone, but it's, it's definitely like a very level way of speech. And like the, especially when, um, what's her name? Uh, Laura. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. like testifying about this, like really terrible thing that happened yes. to her. Like, Whoa, it's, we'll cover that it's, later for sure. I have notes for days. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just very like a matter of fact and level and sort of. I don't know, polished in a way that just makes it feel weird.
3: Yeah, exactly. You you don't get that that kind of range uh of of today when or or the emotion cuz every time you hear them speak
0: it's just like you know. Like, yeah, they sound like they're like an air traffic controller or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I think you maybe yeah, you may have identified the uh the cause there for some for something I noticed that didn't sit well with me it was just yeah
3: hell yeah All right. Um, so- sorry few more few more things like I took a lot of notes in this section because this part of the movie kind of sucked and then it got mm-hmm. good so that's true uh, a couple gripes he has to write a fucking colonel at the Pentagon to see an army psychologist <laughs> what the hell was that what was um, that when Z- uh, Beegler goes to visit fucking lieutenant in, in jail, He the first time we see the exterior of the jail, it's in the middle of like a suburban neighborhood.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you caught that, but it's just like a weird place for a prison. It's um, true. It's like in like just random. There's like a restaurant below it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and
3: I, th- I think that's it.
1: Yep. All okay. you, Shane. All right. I'll, I'll take it away here. So I have a couple here. They kind of coincide with each other. So I just being a product of the Times... I, I didn't catch it at first. I, my first reaction when he uh, calls the operator and asks, like, for the bar or something for Laura, I was like, why didn't the operator just tell him to call him herself? Like, what? But, yeah, that one didn't hit. Let's scratch that one out. Okay.
0: but <laughs> uh, Jury, do not consider that in your Yeah, adorations. strike that
1: for the record. <laughs> the second one was, why did she call her defense attorney from, like, the loudest bar in town? Like, if you're gonna call an attorney to defend your husband, wouldn't you like call from a payphone or somewhere more quiet? Not just like ns, 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 ns. so. I'm like, hi, you're gonna defend my husband? Like they couldn't hear each other.
2: It was she needed. A, she needed a solid alibi for calling she a defense it. attorney. I don't know. I've never been to prison. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. I'm rushing through. Last one here. This is better. I'll scratch those two. We'll strike the last two from the record. Oh um, so I noticed that Jimmy Stewart and uh, Beagler is Jimmy Stewart's name. I'll try to say that. But in yeah. his friend, the drunken friend, they have like this really clever banter in the beginning where they're like talking about law and they're making like jokes to each other. It's really clever. And then it feels like at the last five sentences of that scene, they just rush through and tell you the entire plot of the film and start. It's like, oh, yeah, and this guy killed her, killed a guy, uh, and he was raped, and you should defend her. Okay, yep, okay. <laughs> it was. I did
3: notice that.
1: It was so yeah. written in. You're like, what? I thought they were going to like banter and stuff, and it was going to be the classic she walks into his office type thing. But it was just like, oh, you should defend them. Here's what happened.
2: Well, Is spoiler it? alert for anybody who's not planning on listening to the rest of the podcast. Uh, there was not any kind of like twists in this movie. It, it stuck to the case and all the way until the very end. And like I thought maybe it was going to be one of those movies where halfway through it turns out that somebody was lying or maybe I the you know,
1: kept waiting the for the other was... shoe to drop. And it didn't. Yeah,
2: but yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. It was just very straightforward. It's, well, it's almost like they just wanted to make a, a like a.
1: Well, it makes just like sense. A courtroom movie. If the <laughs> defense attorney that one wrote the book. Why would he write some twist that makes him lose or makes him look bad? I mean, oh, no. Well, now no saying lawyers are blame.
0: not <laughs> just me. I mean, I don't know if it's so much that, you know, there's not a twist where someone lies or it's just that everyone has been lying the whole time all the way through.
2: Oh, yeah. We already covered that. They're all terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so of- all of us agree lawyers are terrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Until you need one. <laughs> Mike, we're going to lose our two listeners.
1: I'm trying real hard. I hope to retain them for the eventual like lawsuits that come from this podcast.
3: I'd like it's to go just... on record as not not never having said anything <laughs> bad about lawyers. Not never having said that's a double negative he hates lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah. Court adjourned.
0: All right, next scene. Right. Yeah, take us take us forward, Mike.
2: All right, strap in. It's going to be a lot that's going to happen with a lot of different people and moving parts now, so I'm just kind of I'm going to go through it real quick. All right. Um, so in, the lieutenant is in the jail cell before all the cases start up. And an important thing is there's an inmate in there that he's being kind of like is in the cell next to him. And uh, this guy makes a comment about Laura because she's, you know, super beautiful or whatever. And the lieutenant kind of loses his shit and beats him up a little bit and shoves him up against the wall. So it kind of shows <laughs> that the lieutenant definitely is a jealous man and he definitely has a problem. Um, at the same time in, this, in the scene that was happening, like at, right before this... Um, Beagler's in the car meeting again with Laura and she is flirting with him and the lieutenant's watching from a window and she kind of draws back and kind of like becomes very afraid when uh, Beagler tells her that the husband's watching and so she kind of has some a little bit of like a fear of the lieutenant and that probably has to do with the fact that he loses his temper. Um, so going forward with the case, they start to gather witnesses and they start to kind of gather some information and in doing so, um, as we mentioned, his partner drives up to Canada um, out kind of out of the blue, and it turns out that he had a lead up in Canada, and for some reason doesn't tell um, Beagler that he's doing this. He, he wants to have like a a big reveal or some kind of dramatic event when he comes back, but he finds out that the manager of the bar that that Quill owned is um, her name is um, Piloff, Pilant, Pilant, and Barry Pilant, and she t- actually is Quill's daughter um so she works the she's the manager there at the 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 hotel slash bar that they work out it's a um has kind of both and quill goes and questions her and and at the beginning they think that she has just been the mistress to quill and not actually his daughter but they kind of find out the secret there so that's pretty important because now there's they're, they're trying to the the other attorneys were kind of using her as kind of motive for finding out about they cheating or whatever. Uh, the other defense attorneys, the um, the district attorney, I should say, and the he brings in a guy named Dancer. And he's this big kind of like fancy, you know, lawyer that comes in that's won a bunch of cases. Uh, also, there's a new judge that's in town because the original judge is out because he was really sick and uh, wasn't able to take on the case. So it's got a – the courtroom scene is kind of set up with these two teams going at each other and this new judge um, who's kind of – <laughs> Again, for a big city or something. Uh, as far as the way that the prosecution starts to go is that they are insisting that um, Laura was cheating on uh, the lieutenant with Quill. And that was actually the motive. And also denying the fact that they don't want to bring into the fact that she was raped because they think that the jury will kind of sway a little bit because of that. Uh, but but Beagler wants that to be apparent and uses it and eventually gets it into the open that that's the, the, the case behind the supposed insanity that um, the lieutenant went through and he went and shot Quill at the bar. Uh, He also goes and interviews the bartender that's working there, and that guy seems to have a cover-up that's going on behind the behind the murder as well, or sorry, the rape. Uh, Beegler kind of insists that this bartender knows more about that information and that the quill himself was actually like a crack shot with guns. He won a bunch of competitions. He had a bunch of trophies and stuff throughout his bar. And so the, the defense that, you know, why didn't he defend himself? Blah, blah, blah. He must have been warned by this bartender buddy of his, um... So a bunch of stuff happened during the court, and I'm not going to go into detail because it's really not important. But cross examinations kind of start to really lean toward Beegler winning, and then it goes back toward um, the 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 DA when they bring in a surprise uh, witness who is the the cellmate of the lieutenant who tells him that during the off times when he's back in the jail between the you know the court sessions, he's been kind of. In a way, bragging about once he gets off, he's gonna—he's not only gonna like beat up his his wife, but he also is kind of like admitting to these these murders. <laughs> Essentially, it's covered like the entirety of the 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 courtroom, but there's a lot of detail that goes in there. Obviously, Absolutely. because I don't want to go through it's a three hour movie. But uh yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff happens between what I just barely said. So if I forgot anything, please uh please throw it in with a little bit of background. Boy,
1: tons to cover here. Um. Yeah.
2: It's
3: almost like we have half a half a movie's worth to cover.
0: I mean, I, yeah, I I guess one thing to really highlight here is it, it's really s- spelled out, like like you said, Mike, where uh, or maybe you said it, Shane, where you know this is a guy who unequivocally shot someone and murdered him, <laughs> and it's just the trying to figure out how to get him acquitted, and there's a lot of digging and muckraking and you know um questioning good good word good but, good pull
2: there um, a who a lot of who's who's of
0: who murdered who yeah but fundamentally that's that's just kind of the trajectory of the entire thing
3: so i think we're going to jump around quite a bit um yeah. i will start with the inmate uh the fellow inmate <laughs> that the uh prosecution brings in yeah that was like such a bad scene
0: ah oh, for real it, it, yeah it almost
3: ruined the whole movie um I guess kind of the backing to all of this is that the DA is a, an idiot. Yeah. So he brings in this like super lawyer, assistant DA
2: George uh, C. Scott.
3: Yeah, it straight up just looks like a villain and is yep. super composed. Is like it, it's kind of he's kind of a textbook antagonist throughout mm-hmm. the film. And then, you know, we get through a whole case where he's just like, he essentially takes over the case. Um, we don't really hear from the actual DA again. Nope. <laughs> and um like he he's landing some heavy hits, right? And then we go to this like cheap shot of this like f- fabricated fellow inmate case that like I, it it just was not very fitting of like a deliberate thinking lawyer like um the ADA, you know. Oh, so, so, me, yeah. it's let so me. frustrating
1: because like it, even if it is true you, you, as a prosecuting attorney, would know the defense would tear that apart so quickly mm-hmm. by just going, Oh, so he's raped people, he's stolen, he's this, he's that, he's that. Like, even if what he said is true, you know, he's, the he's defense would just rip him apart. So it wouldn't be like, Bring in the secret weapon. Like, yeah. You know, like, well, in their attempt to make court,
2: you know, fun to watch i think they they in that scene they kind of made it seem like they were backed up into a corner they had a little like back and forth where they were saying like yeah like, should we bring this guy in, the in yeah yeah um
0: well so this is one place so this is you know where the the table turns and now it's the dirty tactics from the prosecution where they effectively try and get this guy to perjure your commit perjury and um you know, lie and whatever. And, you know, honestly, maybe it was true, but this guy's not credible. So we get shredded. Uh-huh. But this is, this is the part, you know, we you know, we've covered how they're unethical, but now how they're just bad attorneys is that <laughs> like on both sides, it seems like none of these people knew what the witnesses were going to say. Like if you put someone on the stand, you shouldn't be asking them any questions that you don't know the answer to. Right. Especially where,
1: as the defense attorney. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it's it's like, I mean, maybe the most egregious example is, you know, when uh, uh, Mary Plant goes up and, like, the prosecution is just grilling her on her affair with Barney Quayle, and she's like, he was my dad, and he's like, oh, shit. Fuck. Oh, dude. Yeah. I
3: that's actually
1: like, went,
0: oh! Uh, like, I know, because I was like, like, he
1: knew it! He set the trap!
0: yeah that's that's like lawyer 101 it it happens several times is you don't ask people questions you don't have the answer to because they're going to say something weird that throws off everything and it looks even worse for you so not only are these people unethical they're they're just shitty at being attorneys i mean it it makes for a more entertaining show but they're all just bad at their jobs
1: i will say that this is like a shit sandwich in reverse and that the shit is the two slices of bread in the middle of the sandwich is awesome like the courtroom proceedings are actually really entertaining, and you enjoy this movie. But like the first and end, like the start and end, are kind of like garbage. But the the middle is like really kind of fun watching Jimmy Stewart and this, especially when the district attorney gets in and them yeah. two like battling each other. It's kind of fun, um, even though there is some weird things viewing it with a modern eye, especially that sit a little <laughs> weird <laughs> that we might get I just into. Like-
3: but like all the litigation all the litigators were like super charismatic
0: uh
3: you know they're like (laughs) they get some good roasts in (laughs) and i also like that everybody else in the courtroom is just like oh like they're just there's an audience like there's a laugh track essentially
2: (laughs) oh yeah Uh, well these are some that did that change? Like you could go to the court to watch, like as like a pastime. I think you still can. you still can. I don't know yeah, like, you, you can go it, but sit you can in any
1: any court proceeding you want. You just go uh, to the courthouse.
2: You know, I felt like uh, I felt like Beagler would have been a, a really good detective rather than a defense attorney. Like the entire time, he actually went out and found out the actual truth of everything. This story uh, might have
1: been cooler with him being a PI, but then it just would have been a film noir. But <laughs> well, I was going to say, I kind of
2: like I have a different like the, the part I enjoyed about this film was when he was out there being the P.I. And then the courtrooms were they were you know, entertaining, but they weren't I don't think they were the, the filling of your shit
1: sandwich. That's the so. problem, I think, in this movie is that like there wasn't that big courtroom reveal. There's a little bit where you're like, oh, oh, but like we kind of as the audience felt like the attorneys, we already knew all the information going in. We're just seeing how to how to how they're going to frame it. There wasn't any like, you can't handle the truth. And then I ordered the code red, you know, oh my God. Like well, it was more like we knew we were just kind of like, how do you frame it? The only thing that we didn't know was the Laura rape thing. Like that, I think even to the end is still little, little like, ambiguous. did it happen? But, did but, not. But no. not really though, because the whole
2: like they big, well, Bigler's big ace in the hole was bringing in. Mary, who honestly wasn't that big of an ace in the hole, but she so during part of the investigation and the and the and the the um um uh, the cross examination, uh, they ask Laura about her undergarments that were taken or ripped off during the actual assault, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know where they're at and can't like she she blacked out during the event, so she can't say where they were or where, where they're at, and it's a big like piece of evidence, right? Um, but Mary, being the the hotel attendant. Uh, manager she also goes through the laundry and she found the after the the, the assault had happened uh, a pair of women's undergarments in the um in the laundry room and so she brings the the panties to the court and they use it as evidence showing that it was how she described it had everything that she said like the labels correct and blah 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 the Lord said and that that was like the big kind of the reveal that the rape actually at least I, what I got from it is the rape was real
3: that like was solidified kind of, the
2: rape yeah 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 it, kind of yeah
0: she wasn't lying, lying.
3: I do want to, I kind of want to back, uh, like, see this from a little further away. Like, it, it, was, it was a little convenient that when she was interviewed about her panties, she describes them in just extreme detail down mm-hmm. to the label and uh, or the, the tag and where she got them. And it just so happens that later on in the scene, when the, uh, when the panties appear, that the key like <laughs> ha- you know hammer on the on the nails head is and here's the label and it's from the same place like
0: yeah that. so yeah to, to talk about this a little bit so i think there there's two perspectives i look at this from so there's the mechanical perspective right where these this needs to be like a major item in the case so that you know the the prosecution can set up their big uh they this big hole in the evidence because it's not present and then, you know, from a, a storytelling perspective, then they exist so that the the prosecution comes crashing down to earth, right? And you know, that's just kind of like the mechanics of storytelling, right? Where, you know, the the pieces on the chessboard kind of get arranged and, and moved around, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, from another perspective, I guess the way I look at this, and you know, as we're talking about it, this is kind of what I'm what I'm coming away from with my thesis is the movie, is that. You know, was there sufficient time? You know, is it plausible that, you know, uh, Paul beekler planted these in order to, you know, fabricate the case? Possibly. Possible. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Um,
2: but well, I think there's, what what there's I'm, terrible as we say they are, you might have.
0: Yeah, and I I I don't, I don't think, think it's think totally out of question. But yeah. the important thing is is that fundamentally everything that happens in this courtroom is totally disconnected from the events of the night right this is even the fact that they're
2: trying to the the da was trying to push out that the fact of even trying to bring up that she was raped to begin with like isn't that part of motive like i don't know why they were trying to cover that obviously it's gonna go against what they're saying but you can't just you can't just withhold the facts of what happened
0: but so i mean here the 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 thing that's standing out to me is that everything that happens in this courtroom is just a dog and pony show unrelated. Like, so this guy clearly just murdered this guy, right? Yeah. And no
1: one questions that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, from an audience perspective, my perception is that his defense of I was temporarily insane is incredibly flimsy. And in fact, you know, the movie hangs a lampshade on it later and I'm just skipping ahead where He, uh, what do they call it? Uh, An involuntary impulse. uh, um, Mm -hmm. uh,
3: An irresistible impulse. An irresistible
0: impulse, where, you know, the the crux of this argument is that this was an irresistible impulse. And so, therefore, he had to kill uh, Quill, you know, right? (laughs) And, you know, after. He you know the verdict he skips town, doesn't pay the lawyer, and leaves a note saying, like sorry, it was an irresistible impulse, so he's openly mocking this idea he's you know his his alibi, his justification is you know that lampshades this entire thing. He effectively admits that this is um you know just shit. just just an excuse, right, and that's this whole damn trial where what were the events of the night it it for the purposes of this. This movie, it doesn't matter. No one is reliable. Uh, Everyone is making (laughs) shit up from prosecutor to defense attorney to every, you know, just about every witness that sits on the stand. They're all making shit up because they have some interest, right? In, you know, one outcome or the other. So, I mean, I don't know what to say about this movie other than the truth is totally irrelevant.
1: On that point, too, kind of following it is... What sits the most uneasy about this film, and I think it's because I can't view it as a person in 19, what was it, 59? I'm viewing it as a person from, you know, the modern era. Is the the whole court case revolves around this guy that killed another guy. And the person who gets beat up the most is the person that was raped. like yeah, it's, And it's that is like secondary to piece. everything. And it, like no one gives a shit that she was really raped. You know what I mean? Well, it's, like,
2: it's, yeah, that's one of the, the one of my biggest things. I, the, the, yeah, you're right. It's awkward. a time period piece, so it really, yeah, I hated the fact that uh, the, when they're talking about the actual panties, they have to like, like this. They're talking about, like you said, Shane, they're talking about somebody being raped, which is horrific, and right. then the, the audience they start laughing at just like the word oh, panties. I
1: had that note that that whole panties thing, yeah, like obviously, it's a product of the time. Like, yeah, that's obvious they, that it's a product of the time, so you have to kind of take that with that grain of salt in a way. doesn't excuse it. But they're like, oh, yeah, we can't say the word panties. Like, that's
0: weird. Yeah. Is there another they're word?
2: Even they're implying that she was making up the rape and all that.
0: Yeah, it, it was pretty gross as a punchline.
1: They laugh when they say panties. I was like, nothing like laughing at a woman talking about being raped. Like, so, good lord.
3: I don't know the... Like it's uh, from a, from a, a little more of a meta perspective, I would I would say I wouldn't see that being off limits in a courtroom, you know. No, and it's not to the like, day still. No, yeah, like that's the, what I'm the, saying is like the DA's prosecution lawyers... – You done, Shane? Uh,
1: almost done. Go ahead. Can I get in? <laughs>
3: <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, we've we've kind of ourselves have established that lawyers can be shitty people. Um. And I yeah, think I, I think there are there have been and there will continue to be cases where prosecution defense otherwise will try to, you know, kind of ignore the gravity of, of things like rape. Um, so I don't I don't know that it's necessarily fair to be like, oh, it's a product of the time like shit was OK back then. It, it really wasn't, you know.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And that, that's true. I, to this I day. think the approach to it, the, the DA would be a poor DA if he didn't try to frame it. As if she wasn't raped and that she was leading Mister Quill on, like I think that's his responsibility in that prosecution case. He has to do that, even as weird and awful as it feels. Just like Beegler has to defend an obvious murderer, but it's the it's more the courtroom's response to that that feels like Ooh. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not the
2: actual. That's not the case. Like substance itself. It's the it's how people were dealing with the almost juvenile. Yeah. Um, responses to yeah, yeah I assume. I, see yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: yeah, I, I think the way the movie kind of approached it was, I mean, I, I, I see and understand your point, June, but I, I feel like the movie's uh, tone just kind of left a, a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> it was a very it. light
1: tone for rape and murder.
0: Yeah, it was. <laughs> um,
1: it, it was I had also a jazz
3: track the whole time. <laughs> it was also bold, though, right? Like you, you know, That's you true. just didn't talk about this shit in movies back then. Yeah. Um so if so for this movie to actually like tackle that and and this director from from what I what I've seen has has been controversial in in other works but um yeah I think I think that's bold to begin with there. What I want to get into though is the 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 ending. So this movie yes. like, kind of fools you. Um throughout the whole case I I at least for me I was really involved like it was it was it was really entertaining. Um, the banter was great. And as it kind of gets to the climax, when um, uh, Mary, is that her name? hmm Yeah, um, so Mary... Lo- Laura? Mary? No, Laura. Mary, the Mary's- final witness. Yeah. So oh, Mary's on Mary the stand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she has produced the panties. And the prosecution goes on the completely wrong track, right? Like, oh, you're... Uh, you mm-hmm. were his mistress and me as the viewer was like oh he doesn't know like get ready for the big reveal and she's like no he, you know he was my father and you know drop the mic kind of Ooh. thing right but then i took a step back and was like wait that doesn't prove anything that just shows that potentially she was raped has nothing to do with the fact that oh boy lieutenant was uh Insane. Fully, yeah, fully you know,
1: knowing he was going to murder somebody. Yeah, yeah and right. like
3: somehow, and you see like the life drain out of the, the ADA's face. Like, <laughs> oh, I've lost this case, you know. But it's like, really? And that had nothing to do with the actual underlying like yeah, but, why why he was not guilty of But nothing about murder. this
0: case had That's anything to do with it. It was all about... Yeah. It was all about making the prosecution look as unsympathetic as possible. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the, the basis of their entire case for why he's not guilty.
3: Right. And that's what I mean, I'm saying. It like fools you. Uh, that kind of makes it, sense now
1: because the DA constantly is like, what does this have to do with a guy that murdered another guy? Like, and, and they're like, shut up, you dumbass. Like, but now that you say that jack i'm like he's actually right like he's like the case isn't about whether someone was raped or not it's about was someone consciously murdering somebody
3: yeah like yeah, the big and- reveal at the end all it did was prove that the dead man was a rapist
1: yeah, yeah.
2: you know as, as far as like this film goes jack if i could piggyback on what you were saying i got the same kind of sense this entire film showed us the perspective of us actually being jury members I didn't learn anything throughout it, but it kind of, at the end of it, I was convinced somehow.
1: <laughs> well played, Mike. That's, that is the line of this podcast. We were the jurors.
0: Um, <laughs> The truth, some of the truth and none of the, <laughs> the truth no, did not I, set I, me free.
1: <laughs> I would like to
3: go on record for the uh, alternate title of this episode. There's a point when, uh, there, there are two recurring themes. One of them is, uh, uh, pinball, Yep. Uh, Laura's really into pinball for some reason <laughs> With the sultry art of <laughs> pinball
1: <laughs> And then
3: Beagler keeps bringing up A girdle oh, like yeah. Multiple I... times he And was... at one point he says the words Now I enjoy an attractive jiggle You stole it off yeah.
2: my
0: paper Damn it Shit, a Pillsbury
1: therefore boy?
3: the alternate title of this episode Is an attractive jiggle
1: <laughs> I like the attra- an attractive
2: jiggle I liked uh, I like when the uh, who is it the, the sheriff or whatever that runs the trailer park that they live at when they're questioning when they're cross examining him they ask him like did you hear like screaming and he's like yeah I heard screaming and he's like did you go and look for it he's like no it was off the property <laughs> <laughs> that's like the definition of not my job
1: he was the best. <laughs> he's like I don't give a fuck <laughs> um, this movie. In in a whole, like, presents a lot of interesting things. Like, especially with her being very kind of like flirtatious and promiscuous and like she keeps coming on to Beagler, or at least that's how it's presented. And
2: she does say that she's like done with the marriage at one point. I think she says that like he keeps begging her to stay when she ever she tries to leave him.
0: Well, I was yeah, she, waiting for she, he beats her, so she's oh, she's yeah. Yeah. Um mm-hmm.
1: I was waiting for the drama in that sense. I was waiting for like love triangles and things to kind of form, you know, because it's a movie. You kind of expect those things, like conflict of interest, to form and stuff. But it it always this movie kind of presents a bunch of like different things and they never follows them. And yeah. that like shows itself in the end where they're driving to the the trailer park and. Well, seg- that's a great segue for yeah. for what the end of the want? movie here. I mean, we got a lot. Well,
3: I thought of we already went. Went to the end. I we, thought we did too. I it, went.
0: but I guess before we go to the end, there's one thing I want to say, and that's so we we have like two acting titans in the courtroom, right? Between, uh, you know, James Stewart and George C. Scott, right? Like mm-hmm. the best actors of the era. But I, I think honestly, what made the court scene good. And enjoyable was the judge. <laughs> the simple yes, judge. Dude. Who who was the only one who didn't seem like he was stuck in, you know, uh transatlantic land. <laughs> and um wasn't even an actor really. He was actually a um a lawyer who uh oh, really just got an opportunity to play the judge. Nice. So <laughs>
3: my favorite my favorite part of this whole movie was his intro. Like, what an intro. He's like, he's essentially like, listen, guys, I'm probably going to
1: fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Which means he's a real lawyer. If you've ever watched real law take place.
3: <laughs> I, I like how he phrases it, too. He's like, there may be some times when it appears that I am sleeping.
1: <laughs> but, but I assure you, <laughs> I am not
3: yeah, that guy yeah, Judge was great, man. It was, well, uh, and
1: he's so easily distracted. He's like, Oh, look at this and he's like, Oh, that's a lure I made. He's like, Oh, you like fishing? And they're supposed to be talking about like this case. <laughs> he's just
3: like, Okay, oh, I love and, fishing. Yo, that definitely reinforces like Jack's position on just the cheap the cheap shit that they keep doing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, I see you found my
2: fishing lure. Uh I make those. Uh
3: Yeah.
1: Well, it's a, it's
2: you know, sim- it's a sim- symbolic meetup, right? He, he's distracting him. He's, he's using a fishing lure to kind of hook him, right? To yeah. him on his side but by, like, kind like of buttering that. him I guess up. I that is
0: kind of clever. He, he catches the judge with the fishing lure. Well, um,
1: so cheap, though. Yeah, yeah. Here, I'm going to dig deeper. That lure was set for the prosecuting attorney. Ooh. Because the attorney, he says, like, the bullfrog sees the fly, and they can't help but shoot after it, and then I've got them. And the so district by the, neck yeah, as the, district, out the door you're the, you're the fly motherfucker yeah the district attorney <laughs> caught on to peel off and was like you're his mistress and she's like i'm his daughter and boom hook set
2: <laughs>
3: unfortunately it was for something completely irrelevant
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean even then so you know if if you recall what he hands to the judge is this legal case that establishes the precedent of the uh you know, the in, the irresistible, the uh, whatever, um, impulse. Right. Um, and In 1886.
1: Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> that's,
0: I mean, would in 1950, 1886, that's what, 70 years ago? We would probably, you know, respect a court precedent from 1950, we're as far from that as they were from 1880. I um, allow it. But, you know, so it's this, like, Arcane little bit of state law that established this as a precedent for an admissible uh, cause for you know an insanity defense, and the D, the the DA already knew of it. They knew of, of this defense. They were just <laughs> oh, hoping yeah, that yeah, no one right. else would would know about it. So you know, there you go. It's it's not about it's law for you the the truth of it. It's uh, it's about the artifice of this court case.
1: I and I wish they would have played on that a little bit more because Jimmy Stewart does make, like, a line where he says, like, that's the best closing argument I've ever heard. And he's referring to the, the assistant DA. Because, um, like, you can tell they respect each other. And I wish they would have played a little more on that. They both didn't really care about the case. They're just competitive. like that. I didn't get, get that vibe at all. Really? I, I got that they both... Respected each other because Jimmy Stewart makes a couple lines about how good that attorney is, and that attorney makes a couple lines about how good Jimmy Stewart is. And now he's like, "No, I think you misread
3: that because multiple lines." uh, George C. Scott is like, "He is the worst fucking lawyer I've ever seen." Well, (laughs) in the courtroom.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I I feel like what is? I mean, I'm, I'm coming back to this a lot, but what they say is not always the truth, or even what they think. Yeah, and you know. um, Uh, definitely has like this folksy demeanor, but he's definitely a lot sharper than his, his sort of style of conversation indicates. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, obviously we can only claim so much without, you know, based on a three hour movie, but I, I, I would be sympathetic to the idea that, you know, there, there's a lot going on that isn't said between them.
1: Yeah, I think the movie would have done better to chop it down a little bit and focus on those things, but that yeah. said, you know, it's not a terrible movie. We'll, we'll get to that towards the oh, end. Oh,
3: I I wanted to ask um <clears throat> kind of got off track, but the 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 kind of promiscuity subplot, oh yeah. Did you guys think that was necessary? I, I found that a weird. little
0: distasteful. Um, yeah.
1: Like I, I under- No,
2: I mean I think it was necessary in the sense as it was trying to establish that there is a possibility that she was having an affair. It sows
1: doubt in the audience.
2: Yeah, I felt like maybe that's what happened. Like there was some points where they were talking about her how she and she when she like so Beagler goes and finds her at the jazz club and she's like drunk and hanging out with a bunch of other soldiers. And so he kinda tells her like you need to like get your shit together. Well And okay. then at the end when she's like when they're going to figure out the verdict, um she's there and she's like calling him sweet again and she's drunk and she is you know she says like once once the once he's ca- got off or whatever like he's going to come kick my teeth in so she's kind of again she's not happy with her marriage and it's just kind of the fact that maybe she wasn't just being promiscuous she's just not in love with the lieutenant
0: yeah i, just, I mean i feel like promiscuous is a is a pretty loaded word here and you know i i don't know i i understand why this was included in the movie whether it was necessary or not I don't know, but in twenty twenty one, it feels pretty gross to in watch. In twenty
1: twenty one, the promiscuity seems irrelevant. You're like, regardless if she's sleeping with everybody, it doesn't mean you can just go shoot people in the chest, you know. But like, I feel like in fifty nine, that plays differently. Um, but
2: well, I, only if you're only if you're having an irresistible. Com- uh, all, all I will say right? is
0: that as someone who lives currently in twenty twenty one, I I think it's like a, a gross and distasteful. Thing, I uh, I don't want to I, belabor the point of like what would have been a legal defense in nineteen fifty nine too much. I, I feel like that's a real rabbit hole that won't. Yeah, well, I won't, other, won't which, shed too much more light on this movie, and will only make us feel grosser. <laughs>
2: whatever. What another the other thing that was kind of um uh, kind of I don't know um uh, what do you call it uh I was a little depressing at the very end where they go to collect their payment or whatever or get mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the loan that they're gone right so the lieutenant takes off with laura and they skip out on pain beagler and they leave a lot you know a note behind saying that he had an irresistible impulse to leave and the guy like again that one same sheriff he's like yeah and the wife was crying like while they were leaving it's like fuck that's like really dark oh, like he's dragging his wife away and like
1: yeah the ending was did you all expect something darker, like, the movie kind of wasn't that dark. I thought dark. that
2: was already pretty dark, and then they well, laugh at it. I thought she in. was gonna
1: be dead. I thought they were gonna show up, and it would be like, her dead, and then, like, Jimmy, St- it was gonna end with Jimmy Stewart being like, oh my god, I just got this murderer off. You know? Like, it was gonna be yeah. like that, that bittersweet ending kind of thing, where Jimmy Stewart's like, I won the case, I did it, I'm the best, but look what you've wrought, type thing. Um, But, I guess it kind of still does that, but instead he's like, Oh well, she's gonna get beaten till the end of the days, but at least we're gonna be rich, and then it ends. Like,
3: yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't understand the ending. Like, it was what?
0: weird. So let's let's backfill a little bit. I mean, do you want to cover the the ending? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think any of us have actually said how the the trial ended explicitly. Oh, okay. oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> do, do you want to cover Mike. the ending, Mike?
2: Yeah. So after um, after Laura shows up and kind of has that back and forth about how she is depressed that he's gonna get off. They they go home for a while, and the, the jury's kind of deciding their case, and uh, they get called back to the uh, the courtroom, and they they the jury determines that he is not guilty, and it, you know this is temporary insanity, so he gets off for the murder. Um, after that, Bigler and his partner go to collect their check, as I mentioned, and he had skipped town, so that's pretty much the end of the movie. But what's you know the whole. Uh, jury part where they're kind of like he does this weird speech his partner about how it's like 12 different people from 12 different walks of life
0: <laughs> yeah god damn it yeah
2: did you see the jury they were all old white people um, I mean. <laughs> that's
0: a good point <laughs> all, all I have to say about that is that I mean they they go to await the jury's deliberations and they just go to this room where uh, James Stewart plays the piano and oh, yeah. Uh, you know Parnell McCarthy the the drunk gives this eloquent monologue about the nature of justice and the jury like this is just too much
1: oh (laughs) but that is like quintessential those old time movies there's always that weird monologue that reminded me of Kind Hearts and Coronets yeah they praise some system of like democracy or justice or like that is like a classic old black and white film thing where a random character just goes into this big monologue about something,
0: yeah, and, that, and that's
1: way out of place.
0: Concluding paragraph? In your yeah, really. It's like, God movie.
1: bless the juror. Yeah, <laughs> it
3: was, that was literally like the Kind Hearts and Coronets ending. Mm-hmm. Or the old lady's just like saying weird shit about children.
1: Oh yeah, the children will set us free. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so
3: can someone explain like what happened in the letter or or what fucking manion end up ended up doing manny
2: yeah so he so he told um beegler that he was he's gonna you know give him three thousand dollars but he's gonna do it It was pretty much an iou so he's just gonna sign this this bond that then we're gonna take to the bank and try to get a lien on it in order to get like some money from him as a down payment um, in the letter, though, he just pretty much told them that he decided that he was gonna, you know, take off and, and go toward—I don't know, like some other state. I remember what he said, but essentially, what he said was he had an irresistible impulse to like ditch out on the money, uh, giving the big fu to Beagler saying that he's not gonna pay him. Which, which but he's yeah. in—he's a lieutenant in the army. Yeah, how so, far could he run? <laughs> right. Yeah, he's
0: pretty easy to track down. And what kind of lawyer is just like? Yeah, well, uh, I'll just kind of let him sit.
2: <laughs> that's Manny.
0: <laughs> well, they, they said at the end,
2: they said, again the this is poetic justice, right? So going back to what we're saying about lawyers and how terrible they are, I think they understand that by saying like, yep, we just got a murderer off. And yep, of course, he's going to.
0: Well, what they say is poetic justice is that their next job is administering the estate of the guy that got murdered. Right. Or, oh, yeah, executing so the estate. So that's. That's what they call poetic justice, though. I, I think there is some poetic justice in this guy. They, they coach to, you know, f- lie, lie his way, <laughs> yeah, um, um, like, like properly. But yeah, so why didn't they just make him sign the goddamn paper when they picked him up before, from jail? I don't know. Yeah, um, before the end of the case. But uh, then you know they can't have that come up, and so I guess that's just a storytelling thing. But yeah. Um, I,
3: I just have a huge problem with, like, the the storytelling at the end here. Like, why was she crying? Was there tears of joy? Because he's out? Was Manny, like, an actual, like, garbage human? Yeah, like, I think he like, he's going to be her. her. I, 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 can, her I
0: think we can probably safely assume that he's yeah. a garbage person.
3: I mean, you get my point, though, is that it was not clear. And yeah. it was told through a shitty note. Like, the, the storytelling just fell apart at the end. Like, it was just really disturbing. And yeah, um, like I, I, I understand what we, you know, what we can extrapolate from it, but like just straight up, like, what? Come on, you know, like, you yeah. go through this whole web of, uh, of evidence and, and all this shit, and at the end, you're just gonna leave with this note that like
1: well,
0: doesn't really <laughs> tell anything, and, and maybe I just kind of shrug about it. Maybe yeah. it's because I've seen too
1: many movies. When I saw the title "Anatomy of a Murderer, and I saw this whole like her flirting with the lawyer and the jealous husband and Jimmy Stewart even showing some sort of attraction to her. And like, like he would her. be the murderer. I thought she was going to turn Jimmy Stewart into a murderer type thing. Like I thought that was oh. going to be the movie. When it's I mean, I, just like I a, by the a books law
0: movie. <laughs> there's a certain genre of like nineties, like thriller that where that would have been the case, I but.
1: totally expected that. Where like I thought, he was gonna fall uh, in love with her, I mean, and he's gonna murder like the
0: husband, and like <laughs> dangerous liaisons or something. <laughs> yeah.
2: See, right. see, on this, oh, I had a different thought. as if we're gonna go into like our theories of how the movie was gonna go, I thought that the bartender was actually gay with Quill, and he was having an affair with Quill. What, you think and it's then, a
0: cat on a hot tin roof scenario. Yeah, oh, and then, and then Quill really got ended up from the novel
2: actually and then
1: actually having the affair with, with Laura, and then the bartender killed him. Oh, that would have been good, because then it could have been like, he didn't rape Laura, he was with the bartender. He literally right. just brought her home. Exactly.
0: I, I just I mean, expected
3: more after seeing Jimmy Stewart in Rope.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a great actor, and I think he, he portrayed the character well.
1: The difference between this Jimmy Stewart and the Rope Jimmy Stewart is he played... Like, he churched up that, I'm just a, just a just simple lawyer in this one. Like, I feel like in Rope, I hardly <laughs> recognized him. But in this, I was like, oh, that's Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants Christmas for everybody. <laughs> 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 oh,
3: um, Okay, so this shit got me. Uh, You mentioned the bartender. I, I want you guys to picture... Every fucking like law and order, CSI, anytime a bartender is being interviewed, he's always wiping glasses. Every single time. And he was doing it in this. It's like the biggest fucking trope I've
1: ever seen. Oh my god, can we insert that dun dun into like a lot of our conversation? Cause now I'm picturing that throughout the movie. Just like, did the window move or have you always known the window was there? do? <laughs> dude every
3: time yeah every time you see a bartender spoken to by a character in a movie he's always wiping glasses
0: oh, I was know he's he a bartender
3: all right i am <laughs>
2: Just, there were definitely a lot of cliches throughout the film
0: i i guess you know this is probably a good point to put the movie aside and like jump back to the actual case um unless anyone else has anything they want to say about the movie
1: no i think it was uh, so uh, i burned through all my notes um Bailiff looks like drunken Tommy Lee Jones.
0: Okay. All right. Uh
1: (laughs) I I got a question, actually, like a legal
2: question. So if you get off with the claim that you were temporarily insane, they just let you go? Like, don't you have to, like, show up to classes or at least, like... Go to a ward? Go to a hospital or something? (laughs) Like, how do you just walk away from that? Like, they just let him skip
1: town. You know, Uh, I... I That's true. Because just because you... Yeah, you'd think he was like. He still killed somebody. He'd go to like white collar prison or something, right? Or, yeah. yeah. Something still has to happen, right? You can't just. And especially with the army. Like, wouldn't the army. Well, I guess they wouldn't care very much. I guess the army technically could open up a new case against him. They don't have to stick to civilian cases, but that's the that's, that's second that's movie. a it's whole a, second it's just, movie where Jimmy Stewart has to, has to find the truth, and if they can handle it, Whoa. I did it. Uh, a, yeah. Two of them. <laughs> you got two in. <laughs> I mean, I
0: don't. I mean, the whole idea of temporary insanity is kind of a, a wild one. You know, I, I think you are right, Mike. Like, typically, you know, if if your plea is, you know, not guilty by way of insanity, then yeah, you do typically like go to, you know, a, a different kind of institution rather than, well, you know, the state penitentiary, right? Yeah, you just don't go to
2: the 50s, right? When they're doing like shock
3: therapy to them. Well, no. <laughs> I want to go on Sanitarium. record as not being a lawyer, but I, I feel like. <laughs> At the end of the day, you did kill someone, and whether I think the question is whether it's murder or manslaughter, right? Either like, either way, we're, like we're you're going to jail. Off, we're wanna, not
1: talking about getting uh, off. for free. We're talking about I, how I, long you're going to be in jail. I really well, want to hear from our two lawyer listeners about this
0: case. And what if they think. if you are charged with murder and you are found not guilty, they don't like downgrade it to manslaughter and try again. Um.
3: <laughs> no, I mean, but I mean, like that—that would have been the whole point of this case, right? On like, the defense would be trying for a manslaughter charge versus a murder right. charge. Right, they're
1: trying to, like, not get him the chair. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess oh, the, no, the no. jury did say oh, the, not the chair. The, the, I mean...
0: The jury, the jury said
2: at the end, not guilty by means of insanity.
0: I mean, not guilty is not guilty, right? Like That's um, so
2: weird.
1: It's like, yeah, he murdered someone, but, I mean, the guy deserved it, right?
0: Well, I mean, like, if if you, uh, you know, inadvertently hit someone with your car or something, right, and it is 100% not your fault... You don't go to jail, right? Like, right. If someone dies because of an accident, and you know it's found to be an accident, right? Like, you you don't just go points to on your prison. driver's license. Yeah, yeah. You, you but do, I think you that's a defensive different driving than
1: you course. loaded a gun and say, "Oh, I just blacked out and blasted him." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <my> um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So let's let's come back to that. This is okay. So this is actually based on uh, a a real legal case. Um, you know, under. The the details of what I'm reading are fairly sparse, but yeah, an army lieutenant shot and killed someone in you know uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and uh, the defense attorney did use uh, the insanity defense of irresistible impulse that hadn't been used since 1886, um, and they did return uh, a verdict of not guilty by reason of insanity. So that did happen. Um, Crazy, and then. Two days later, after he was examined by a psychiatrist who judged him, saying he was released. And then, you know, in the real story, he and his wife were divorced shortly after. But, yeah, so this was a defense that worked in real life. And, yeah, it it is probably, like, a a one-in-a-million defense, but that's also not what the movie's about.
1: Yeah, hey, this is real. Um,
0: But, yeah, so the... The author of the book this was based on was the defense attorney there who, you know, at the time of this movie was, I think, a Supreme Court justice for the uh, Michigan Supreme Court. Jesus. Yeah. So
3: I would Hmm. love I would love to see an interview with that guy about this case. I, just, I was like, yeah, the prosecution were doing some sketchy shit, I tell you
1: what. I tell you what. <laughs> I also want to be played by Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I would have chose Fred Astaire. I want to to, like, tap dance for the prosecution. I would have gone with Dick
3: Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. I, I, I would like to have seen how the the actual case went. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to know if he like wrote himself into this charismatic fucking like, <laughs> wordsmith. You know? Yeah, it was yeah. just a super boring In reality, case. It was just yeah, cut and dry. And the judge actually fell asleep. Like,
0: and also it was not super flattering. <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that he's kind of smooth talking and you know is uh, a likable person, this is not like very flattering for her. <laughs> The maybe it's a case made
1: maybe it's <laughs> flattering if you fancy yourself like a super defense attorney you know like look at that yeah, yeah, <laughs> i got a guy that admitted he killed someone off <laughs>
0: but yeah anyway I think, so i i guess um
3: i think the book was
1: a cry for
3: help because of how much <laughs> fucking fish he had in his fridge i mean do you think I <laughs> was <The> kardashians
2: a- <laughs> kind of prospered after that right after a similar situation Fish in the fridge? I mean, <laughs> <laughs>
1: like,
3: I did, mean they could. I don't know.
0: The they?
1: Kardashians could be avid fisher people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's something people. Um, so as far as kind of like the how this movie did, so um, it was banned in a, a few cities like Chicago. Um, <laughs>
2: they were afraid it encourage murder too much. Yeah. You guys can't use this defense, please. <laughs> um,
0: okay. There were lawsuits from the, the daughter of the real victim saying the movie uh, portrayed the two women in an unflattering light or followed the actual trial too closely. Uh, it's generally huh. well received, I guess, by people of like legal, you know, lawyers, judges, that kind of thing. Um, which is kind of interesting for all my gripes about how bad the lawyers are at their jobs. Um, (laughs) Apparently.
3: Hold on. Their gripe was that it was too close to the real case? My God.
0: So this is what I'm going (laughs) off of on Wikipedia. It says, uh, sued for libel over accusations that the book and movie, quote, followed the actual trial too closely, quote, and portrayed the two women in an unflattering light.
3: Wow. Wow. So they sued because it wasn't changed enough? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> or, I mean, yeah, made, I guess, made them look bad.
1: I mean, that case makes as much sense as this one, so. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, I guess I'm reading, this is crazy, on the internet I'm reading the actual newspaper article about this from the 50s. Um, about the movie? No, about this lawsuit. The the OG article about it, but it's, it's not that interesting. Um, the man who played the judge, uh, Joseph Welch, was a real lawyer. I think this is his only real acting uh, role, but he actually defended the army in the McCarthy investigations back in the 50s. Wow. Um, Yeah. So I think he's been portrayed by more people than he has acting credits. (laughs) Um, How weird is that? In various dramatizations of those events. Um, Of course, George C. Scott needs no introduction. And um so I mean almost universally well reviewed and well regarded. Um and then, you know, as it's always kind of a iffy business seeing how profitable movies of this era were, but this one seemed like it I think came in around eight million uh income versus the two million dollar budget. So it was financially successful too.
2: It's a lot of money for back then.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a healthy um, profit margin then.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely you know, a, a successful movie by any account.
2: Wait, you're telling me that they had $2 million budget on this? Yeah, they paid Jimmy Stewart $400 to no, do The this. fucking intro shot was somebody, like, jiggling a camera around as a car drove by? They couldn't get, like, a steady... Like, mount for that camera. Did you see that? Uh, uh, oh, I was talking about, like, somebody was walking down the road and it was obvious they were walking down the road because the bouncing of the camera. You remember that, the first scene in the movie where the car's driving down the road? I can't believe June, you didn't bring this up. You brought up, like, helicopter shakiness in uh, The Night of the Hunter. Like, it was a completely unnecessary scene of just somebody kind of, like, jogging with a camera running along the <laughs> side of a car.
3: Mike, that camera costs $1.8 million. <laughs> Say, that was yeah, half the the other $200,000 was the rest of the film.
1: And the wire used to hold it was, <laughs> it was another
0: $800,000. So now for the moment of truth. Where do we rank this movie among the 31 other movies we've seen? Oh. This is going to be a tough one for me. June, do you want to start us? Take oh, all the time boy. you
3: need. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough. Uh Because I was actually very entertained throughout the whole movie, it's just there was zero fucking substance. Um, I think I think I'm gonna do a little bit of a cop out. I'm gonna put this at number 19 uh, between Rope and Sin City because my frame of reference is the only other Jimmy Stewart movie, (laughs) and and Rope was better. So yeah, I'll I'll throw it at 19. It was it was good. But like Shane said earlier, the beginning and the end were absolute garbage. Yeah.
0: I follow. Shane?
1: Yeah, so I'm torn because,
0: like June said, this
1: movie's pretty entertaining. And I kind of like courtroom dramas as is. I love that, like, kind of word jousting. Um, So I really enjoyed this film. But I didn't enjoy it more than, like, the top third of the list. So I'm going to put it at 16 Um, under the king's speech, but above short-term 12.
2: Mike? I hope they change the Webster uh, definition of debate to word jousting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well played, sir. Court adjourned. The, The defense rests.
3: Put me down for a signed copy of Shane's English Dictionary.
0: <laughs> when
1: one man and another man engaged in word jousting, uh, another word jousting on the congressional floor.
0: <laughs> All right, Mike, where do you put it? Um,
2: I, I don't, I don't think yours is a cop out because I kind of based it off the same thing. Uh, kind hearts and cornets was black and white, right? Yes. It was. Yeah. So that goes, I'm putting it at number 14, right above Pine Hearts <laughs> and Coordinates.
1: My guess is separate section where black and white films go. <laughs> I wanted to put Schindler's list number one, but due to the fact that it's in black and white, <laughs> it
0: disqualifies oh it.
3: <laughs> oh my god, that's fucking great. Uh, ooh.
0: And, you know, I honestly think I'm kind of on the same page with Shane and June where, yeah, I, I, I'm i getting in a situation where I, I think Rope was a better movie, but I don't think Kind Hearts and Coronets was. Um, oh, God. So I'm putting it at number 18 uh, <laughs> yeah. behind Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And I I think this is kind of a, a funny case because, you know, I think the sort of, I don't the the thesis of this movie is really interesting. Uh, kind of this sort of sparring without any, you know, this this word jousting without any regard for the facts <laughs> or truth of the case is like a really interesting premise. But I, I just struggle to rank it above any of the other movies above it. So I guess it goes at 18, you know, behind yeah. who's afraid of Virginia Wolf?
1: It's a good and, movie, but it's very easy to shit on and tear apart, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of good and a lot of not good in this one. Yeah.
1: The the not good is like the meta portion of it, but as a movie, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I, during,
0: during I enjoyed the it. Case,
1: during the actual, like,
3: case and the courtroom scenes, yeah. if you suspend disbelief even a little bit about legalities or, you know, the entire point of the case, it's like pure
1: entertainment.
0: Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and, you know, it, this was nearly three hours, but it... it went by quick it wasn't it wasn't you know uh dances with wolves that was three hours and felt like six um (laughs) but yeah i mean i guess that leads us you know in june do you recommend watching this
1: i do i actually do shame yeah especially if you like like a few good men and other court word jousting (laughs) and
0: court word jousting
1: court word jousting (laughs) watch this film for the word jousting. Mike. Yeah, I'd say this
2: movie was guilty of being worthy of watching.
1: <laughs> God damn it. This movie is guilty of being good.
0: <laughs> I mean, I I guess I would maybe diverge here and say, you know, as for as much as I did like about this movie, I don't know if I would say it's a must watch. I mean, if you're the kind of person who loves this kind of shit, you're probably going to watch it anyway, so you don't need to listen to me. But I, I don't really know. that This movie is hands down, like thumb for sure. Like, watch it.
3: I mean, neither is Ratatouille, but like, do, <laughs> it, do, would
2: you recommend it?
0: Uh, if you have three hours to fill, I'd recommend going for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> Two a, thumbs
2: down from from Komodos
0: here. Yep.
1: thumbs down from commodus
0: anyway with that said uh we'll um catch you next week and i believe what we're watching and reviewing next week is the wizard of oz which is something i think virtually everyone has seen so it'll be uh, a fun one that
3: is gonna be an interesting one